Hey there, guys. Um, it is Melanie. Today is Tuesday, January 24th of 2023. Happy New Year. Um, I have not been on for a while, which seems to be a little bit of a pattern. <clears throat> um, but I've been struggling, really struggling. And I find myself when I am struggling, this is a lot of the times that I turn to this podcast. And this is one of the reasons that I created this podcast. So if you are here with me, um, if you are listening, thank you for being here. And I hope um, that anything that I share today hopefully helps you in one way or another. Um, so 2022 has ended. What a terrible year it was for for me, um, for a lot of people, I know um, the economy is insanely changing. Um, the cost of everything is skyrocketing. Um, COVID has put a damper and is still somewhere, you know, luring in the background. Um, and a lot of that has kind of played a part on possibly the way I'm feeling. Um <clears throat> But for those who don't know, which is a lot of people, um, last year, so 2022, I don't even know now when it was. I'm going to say in early December, um, would it have been early December, late November, <coughs> uh, my mom had a stroke. Um, and I think this is kind of what this podcast might be a little bit about because it's uh, it's kind of changed the way that I'm viewing things right now um, and it's affecting a lot um, the way that I've been feeling. Um, so if you've ever listened to this podcast before, you know that um, I started this podcast uh, shortly after my dad passed away of suicide December uh, 22nd of 2020. Um, I, at that point, had been dealing with a lot. Um, I was the one and only person who found him. Um, there was some family issues happening shortly before, um, I believe, and I feel like I was the only one who was in constant communication with him. Um, and that messed me up really bad. Um, his death took a really really big toll on me. Um, I've always been a daddy's girl. I always understood my dad really well because we are a lot alike. <coughs> and so, excuse me, so for the last few years, I've really been um, trying to manage my grief about my dad, uh, try to manage my anxiety, um, my panic attacks, um, my PTSD, my triggers. Um, and also in the last 14 months, I've been dealing with um, being sober, um, getting sober, staying sober, which is an everyday, um, an everyday matter. Um, if you ever had anyone or known anyone, or if you specifically ever dealt with addiction, it's, it's an everyday battle. You wake up um, reminding yourself that you can get through the next 24 hours. Um, and especially when life throws you challenges, um, reminding yourself of those things uh, is very difficult. So um, my mom had a stroke. Um, 
at the time that my mom had a stroke, she was watching my twins, my four-year-old twins, um, and had been with, along with my sister, um, kind of taking care of my kids for about a week because, um, my littlest guy was in the hospital with RSV, um, pneumonia and bronchiolitis. Um, so not only were we in a very hard, stressful situation, um, you know, all the daily reminders out in the news and on the internet and everything was reminding us about how terrible RSV season is. Um, and then sure enough, mom instinct kicked in. I, noticed my son wasn't feeling well, brought him to an emergency room to which they sent us home. And then the next day I brought him to a different emergency and he was admitted um, and testing positive for uh, RSV. Um, So RSV affects, of course, your your breathing, your lungs. Um, He ended up after, I would say, less than 24 hours, he was put on oxygen. Um... And he remained on oxygen, actually switching to a high flow oxygen um, for nine days. Um, It was very scary. He's only two years old. Um, And I spent nine days in the hospital with him while he overcame this infection Um, and this sickness, illness, whatever you want to call it. Um, On day eight, when he was about to get his um, high flow oxygen off, which was um, a very positive, obviously, moment, a very exciting moment. Um, I called my mom to show her, you know, to video chat with her to show her what he looked like with no oxygen and just kind of celebrate that moment. Um, and I could tell something was off with my mom. There was a lot of different signs Um at first, I kind of shifted it off and said, you know, maybe the twins are kind of um, bothering her on her lap or, um, you know, getting in the way. And that's why she couldn't face the camera to her face or that's why she was stumbling and having a hard time speaking and and all these different little things. And I didn't really think much of it at first. Um, and we kept trying to video chat with her and my twins. Uh, we kept trying to video chat with them several times over the course of a few hours. And every time I noticed that there was still something a little off. Um, I remember at one point getting frustrated and just, you know, not understanding why she couldn't hold the camera to see her face because she was acting normal otherwise, other than just her words were kind of a little jumbled, um, but she just seemed very overwhelmed. So I I scratched it off to her being overwhelmed because the last week or so had been difficult. Um, Finally, about an hour later, I reached out to my aunt who is an emergency nurse and who doesn't live too far away. And I said, you know, um, what are you doing? Where are you at? And she said, you know, I'm actually going to see my grandma, like my grandma, her mom, um, who lives right next door to my mom's house. And so I said, you know, can you go right to mom's house? Can you go right to my mom's house to her sister? I said, can you go right there? I said, something's off with mom. She doesn't seem right. I said, I almost feel like she maybe had a stroke. And, and I remember those words coming out of my mouth. And I remember kind of feeling like I was over exaggerating. 
Um, that's one of the characteristics that a lot of people always point out about me is that, um, I over-exaggerate. I always worry too much about something that might not be anything. And that's only progressively gotten obviously worse since my dad's death. Um, my mind, especially with PTSD, um, always thinks the worst situation, um, and so, you know, she, she got there and, and she messaged me and she said, yeah, I'm going to call an ambulance. Um, something seems off. You're right. I do think she had a stroke. Um, and during this whole time, I'm trying to reach my husband to get him to go there. Um, it was just, you know, uh, craziness. Um, while, while this is happening, I laugh about it now. It's, um, But while this is happening, you know, the doctor's coming in to see how my son is doing and to celebrate, um, you know, him getting off of oxygen. And I remember being all alone at the hospital with my two-year-old and I looked at the doctors and the nurse and I said, someone needs to sit with him. I need to walk away. I think my mom had a stroke. Um, And so... Sure enough, she gets uh, brought by ambulance to one hospital um, where they assess her and they run some tests. Um, By this point, it's um, closer to supper time to dinner time. And uh, so my husband, you know, at that point had already grabbed the twins while the ambulance was there, brought them home, brought them to his mom's house. We're arranging all, you know, how things are going to work. He's coming to the hospital to relieve me so I can go to the other hospital to go see my mom. Um, and so I, um, do I say it? Yes, I say it because this is a podcast and this is why I created this platform. So um, I get to the hospital and um, I have to be very careful sometimes because um, I know who, I know that this is, um, okay, I'm just trying to gather my thoughts here for a second. Um, So I get to the hospital and um, again, I had mentioned that my mind triggers to the worst possible scenario Um, and, you know, I mentioned that um, through tears, you know, I, I hope the stress of this whole situation and I hope that, um, mom having a, you know, my mom having a stroke was not caused by, um, my kids and by the loudness and the excitement and, you know, the, the normalcy of hanging out and taking care of four-year-olds and being worried about a two-year-old and, you know, I, I was so concerned that everything was my fault. Again, um, a flaw that I have and that I deal with every day is um, always thinking that I've done something wrong and that everything is my fault. Um, and there were some, there were some comments made to me that... Um, that yes, that's what other people had thought also was that, you know, the stress of my children had caused my mom to have a stroke. Um, And I live with those words still, those words still haunt me and hurt me and bother me and um, are always 
um, on the top of my brain every time I look at my kids and see my kids and especially now talking to my mom and seeing my mom slowly recover. Um, those words are always there reminding me that, um, that that could have been a possibility. Um, the more research that I've done and the more I've spoke to doctors about it, um, in fact, that is not <laughs> what happened. Um, but you know, when, when something is said to you, sometimes it's really hard to erase it. So, um, so I'm at this hospital, I'm visiting with my mom. I can tell she's very frustrated. Um, she mainly seems like herself, except she's like just very angry and very, she doesn't understand why she's there. She wants to go home. Um, but you can also tell she's very tired and, and, but you know, mostly frustrated. So fast forward, time comes, she spends a week in a different hospital um, on the stroke floor, um, just kind of trying to understand what happened, running some more tests. The first set of tests did not determine she had a stroke, um, but they did a second set of tests on the following day, and it did determine that she had two two strokes, um, one on the right lower side of her brain and one on the right middle side of her brain. Um, and so, um, you know, fast forward again, sorry, where she's on, she's in the second hospital on the stroke floor, getting the help she needs, you know, talking, seeing the doctors, she's trying to, you know, her sense of taste is off. She's very tired. Um, all the normal stroke symptoms, all the normal recoveries, um, that kind of start off with, with someone after she's had a stroke, um, or after they've had a stroke, um, overall, you know, um, to me, she is not seeming herself. Um, and that ate me up every morning, every afternoon, every night, every middle of the night, um, every moment of every day, it was eating me up because I was a not understanding kind of what happened. I was not processing it. Um, and I was at that time, what I felt was I was left with this version of my mom that I didn't know. Um, now we are, of course, in January. Um, there's time that's passed. Um, she's gone through her. She uh, Shortly after when she was released from the hospital, she stayed with my sister and my brother-in-law and my, and my niece who took absolutely amazing care of her. Um, and, you know, and, and walked through all the steps with her and helped her kind of regain some confidence and helped her slowly ease back into things. And they cooked and they cleaned and they did everything that she needed done while she lived there. Um, and that was definitely the best move for her to be in that environment because she was very well cared for. Um, she ended up going back to her home. Um, which on its own was a very scary thing. Um, and I always speak for myself, but I'm sure it was for her as well. Um, and that's primarily just because, you know, um, she's alone and as she's recovering or as she gets tired or as things are changing, um, it's about her having to realize and notice that, um, that things are slightly different. So she's, she's been dismissed at this point from all of her, um, occupational therapy, um, and her other therapies that were assigned when she left the hospital. 
Um, and she's at home. Um, there is still a lot of work that needs to be done. There is still a lot of healing that needs to be done on her part. Um, and I can see the frustration and she's, you know, expressed her frustration with how different things are because, um, she's not up to par as she always has been. Um, and I can't imagine how that would physically feel in your own body to not get why you're so tired or to not get why you can't form a certain sentence or relay a certain message. Um, and, um, and I don't, and I don't know what that feels like, right? Um, all I can know is what I feel like on my end. Um, and I expressed it in a certain way, um, during some grief share programs that I went, that I still go through after my dad's passing. Um, and I, I relate it to a, to a way of grief. Um, that's the best way to say it. Um, after my dad's passing, um, and even before when my dad was around and everything, um, my mom is, um, the person that's always there for me, for our family, um, especially having four kids. Um, she is a very big part of my kid's life. Um, before the stroke, she was here every couple day or sorry, every, yeah, every other day, let's say visiting the kids coming by, she would come run errands with us. She would come with us to, you know, dance class or come for a ride with us or, you know, whatever, whatever she wanted or whatever, what was needed. She was always there at the drop of a dime. And especially after my dad's pass, my dad's passing, um, she was there in more ways than I can ever, ever, ever describe. Um, and, uh, I feel as though I am grieving my remaining parent. Um, and some people have said, you know, that seems very dramatic or that seems very excessive. Um, but it's not because every morning, couple times during the day and every night. My mom was the one that I called. My mom was the one that I called when I was frustrated, when I was sad. My mom is the one who understood a lot of the grief process surrounding my dad because me and her were together all the time. She was living here prior to his passing and um, almost a year after his passing. Um. And we dealt with a lot of the grief together because she was living here um, and she was my go-to for everything. And so, um, unfortunately, at least right now, um, she can't be that person that I call when I'm frustrated and she can't be that person that I call when I'm super excited or when the kids are rambunctious, rambunctious about something. Um, unfortunately, right now, she can't be the one that is called because um, those types of scenarios are very difficult for her still right now. Um, and, you know, the research I've done and everything I've heard from other people is, yeah, there's still lots of time for her brain to recover. And that's um, 
you know, if, if that's what needs to be done and, and we take our time and, and we let that brain slowly heal and, and, you know, months from now, maybe I won't even be feeling these same things, but I think I'll always be feeling a sense of worry and a sense of, um, being scared of having my kids around her, um, and, or loud noise around her and everything else. Um, so there's a lot of grief around that. Um, very lately, uh, financially things have not been very great in our home. Um, there's just a lot going on and I, and I don't say that lately because I know that everybody has struggles. I know that there are people who have way worse struggles than I do and they're walking around happy right now and not crying about it. Um, but my emotional well-being is very, 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 um, damaged right now. Um, and my depression is at a major high, major high. Um, I am safe. Um, I am very vocal about when my depression hits very hard. I am very, um, okay to talk to my husband about it. I am okay to talk to a few friends about it. Um, so there is no need to be concerned on another end of someone listening to this. Um, but, um, the, you know, the other day I was, um, it was just starting and I was trying to process, um, how the, how, how fast the depression was settling and how deep it was settling. Um, and there was a moment a few days ago where I told my husband, I said, I need to walk away from the noise and from, um, everything because like I am having suicidal thoughts. Um, and that's the best thing I could have done in that moment was tell somebody that, um, and I just, I needed a moment to walk away. Um, I needed a moment to not be in charge of anything. Um, and that didn't cure me, of course. Um, the suicidal thoughts are no longer there, but the, the depression is, is terribly deep right now. Um, and I know that it will get better. I hope that it gets better. I pray that it gets better. Um, I've been journaling and, you know, um, I've been, walking in circles trying to figure out what I can and need to do today and there's so much I need and can do but I just don't want to do it and I know that that's my depression and uh I was just messing with a friend of mine and I said that I just said like you know there's so much to do and I just want to do nothing I just want to sleep and um and I know that that's my depression eating away at my brain and I said you know to myself, okay, jump on the podcast and talk. Um, I hope when people are listening to it, this, it, you know, that it makes sense to them. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Um, but this is my form of being able to express myself in these really tough times. Um, so that's kind of a little update in a nutshell of 
what my life has been like the past few months. Um, Of course, the things that I always forget when I'm in these moods um, or in these feelings is that, you know, there still has been a lot of great that's happened. Um, You know, my 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 little guy came home from the hospital after nine days and he is happy and he is healthy. Um, We got to visit family right after the holidays for two weeks and kind of unlatch from reality and kind of unwind, which was so very much needed. Um, and so very much appreciated. Um, you know, and I'm alive today. We're all alive today. Um, I'm sober today still. Um, I have not broke my sobriety. Um, I have some very amazing people who have surrounded me to be there for me and listen to me when I need to vent and cry and scream. And those are the people and those are the moments that I need to remind myself that I'm super lucky. Um, I'm alive today and I have a few good people who always have my back and I have to remember that when I get in these moments. Um, and I already feel so much better talking to myself (laughs) with someone hopefully, hopefully listening on listening on the other side. Um, so today I will be grateful for another moment, another day. Um, if you are listening to this and if you are struggling with addiction, with depression, with anything, please reach out to somebody. Um, there are people who care. I can promise you that. Um, when I get to, when I get into the worst and the worst of my thoughts, I always think, you know, there's no one who cares about me. There's no one who wants to hear me complain anymore. Um, but there always is somebody because there's always someone, um, who looks at you and values your life and is so proud and of the person that you've become. I've had people reach out to me when I say I'm not okay today. And they're baffled because they they see me in a different light. And they tell me like, you are one of the most amazing people. And you're such an advocate for these things. And, you know, you're an amazing mom. And I see what you do. And I wish I could be half the person. And I'm like, come on, like, see what I do. I'm a disaster. Um, but that reminds me that I'm not alone, right? Um, so I hope this podcast, even if it reaches one person, it makes their day a little bit better um, than I've done my job. Um, I think I'm going to end there. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Remember, in any circumstance, whatever you're going through right now, that this too shall pass. Um, and if you're struggling with anything, anything, whether you think it's big or small, reach out to someone. I promise you there's someone that cares. Have a great day. I love you all. And, um, I will talk to you hopefully sooner rather than later.